Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 6 and 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Some people know God, but they don't know God. And Israel, they knew God as Yahweh, and they would say Yahweh from their lips, but they really didn't know God. Because all of God and the things that God had given them had been reduced and boiled down to just a bunch of rules and regulations. There was no real heart in it. There was no real love in it. And God says the fathers, they, 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 they didn't know Yahweh truly from their heart. They didn't know. Now, I want you to notice something, because remember the last time we were together. Remember when we ended chapter 5? I gave you homework. Did you do your homework? Don't tell me the dog ate it. (laughs) I gave you homework, remember? And I told you that I wanted you to go through chapter 6, particularly in the first eight verses, and I wanted you to circle, to highlight, underline in some way all of the, every time you saw I, I am, or I will. Remember I told you that in the last time? I want you to notice, and we're going to look at it pretty in depth tonight because I find this pretty fascinating. Look at, um, we'll pick up in verse, look at verse 6. We just read it. I want to point out to you tonight that there are seven, the seven I will statements in this passage. Now, now what it reminds me of is Isaiah chapter 14. Do you remember the five I will statements from who? Satan. Well, here are the seven I will statements from God. The difference is that God has the ability, the power, the omnipotence to bring to pass his I will statements. Satan has no power. Somebody say amen. Amen. Satan has no power. I will sit on the throne and be like the most high God. Isaiah 14, read me on time. I don't have time going. Here we have in these next two verses two or three verses, six through eight, we have the seven I will statements from God to Israel. I want you to circle it, highlight it. If you haven't done your homework, let's do it together. Look at verse six. God says, I will, what does he say in verse six? First of all, I will bring you out. You see that in verse six? And then secondly, God says again in verse 6, I will rescue you from their bondage. And then again in verse 6, God says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. 
And then in verse 7, God says, I will take you as my people. And then in verse 7 again, God says, I will be your, who saints? God, in verse 7. And then in verse 8, God says, I will bring you into the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then finally, number seven, God says, I will give you as a heritage. You see that again? Pardon me, that's in verse eight. I will give you or give it the land to you as a heritage because I am the Lord. These are the seven I will statements of God. And listen to me closely now. Here's my point here, what I've been wanting to get to for weeks. These seven I will statements from God to Israel actually, watch this, paint a powerful picture of the salvation of the believer. It's very, very interesting. Seven things that God does in the life of the believer as it relates to salvation, we see that in these verses pictured. Number one, you still with me taking notes? Number one in verse six, God says, I will release you from your burden. Did you know? Listen to me close. Say amen if you did know that sin is an awful burden. It really, really is. God says, number one, verse six, he says, I will release you from your burden. Psalm 32, verse three, David said, and I love how this is written in the New International Version. David said in Psalm 32, verse three, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me and my strength, notice this, was sapped as in the heat of summer. You see, David's unconfessed sin, according to Psalm 32, sucked the life right out of him. His sin, David is saying in Psalm 32, was a burden. But once he dealt with that burden, once he dealt with his sin, then Psalm 32 goes on to say, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. David understood, my sin is a burden, and yet when God forgives me, when God cleanses me, I am a blessed man. When you get saved, God releases you from the burden of sin. Point number two, talking about these I will statements of God to Israel, how it relates to our salvation. Point number two, verse six again, I will rescue you from bondage. You see that? You see, sin's not only a burden, but you guessed it, sin is bondage. It really is. Jesus, the Bible says, came to rescue us from the bondage of sin. And John chapter 8, verse 32 tells us, and you will know the truth. Don't you know that verse? And you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. That's the word, my brother. Sin's a burden, but also sin is bondage. 
God says, I will rescue you from your bondage. And then number three, God says in verse six again, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And saints, isn't it true? Jesus redeemed us with his arms outstretched where? On the cross. He redeemed us with an outstretched arm, and he paid the price of our redemption. Psalm 98 verse 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things, and his right hand and his holy arm has gained us the victory. Sin is a burden. Sin is bondage. And God says, point number three, I'll redeem you. Point number four, God says in verse seven, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Now, you know what this speaks of? This speaks of adoption. I don't know about you, but I love that word adoption because we're all adopted. Whether you're adopted in this physical world, some of you guys have been adopted as children and, and, and you have adopted parents that have adopted you and, and, and you've lived with them and loved them and they've loved you. But we're all as saints, people of God. We've all been adopted into the family of God. So I love the word adoption. Now Romans chapter 8 verse 15 reads this, listen close. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Father, Father. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 reads this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We are adopted. God says, point number four, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Point number five, if you're still tracking with me, God says in verse seven, I will be your God. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of protection. Protection. This verse I think of when I think of protection. Romans chapter eight, verse 31 through 37. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, what does it say, saints? Who can be against us? Don't you love that? Who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is God who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Question, shall tribulation, no, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sakes, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, what does it say, saints? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I think of protection. When I think of point number five, I will be your God. And then point number six, God says in verse eight, I will bring you into the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of direction, direction. So God says in verse eight, I'll bring you into the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That speaks of direction, as I said. God wants to bring you into the land. As a believer, 
as a Christian, after you get saved, what does that mean to bring you into the land? Well, that means God wants to bring you to the place of maturity. You know, Canaan speaks of, we talked about this here at Calvary Chapel, Canaan speaks of what? Maturity. It speaks of walking in the spirit-filled life of maturity. Canaan does not represent heaven. Canaan does not speak of heaven. When the children of Israel entered Canaan, they weren't entering into heaven. They were entering into maturity. They were entering into the spirit-filled life. They were possessing the land. And as believers, as it relates to salvation, we are saved. And then we need to go and grow and possess the land. And oftentimes, how sad it is that lots of Christians never grow up. Isn't that true? Well, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You could have been a Christian for 30 minutes. I want to know, are you interested in growing? Oftentimes... Christians walk aimlessly, without direction. God says, I want to give you direction. I want you to go. Grow. God has great and precious promises for his people. Point number seven. And finally, God says in verse eight, I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. You know what that speaks of for the believer? It speaks of provision. Provision. Write this down. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20 says, all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. I love that verse. God's promises are yes and amen. God wants to give us a heritage. God says, I will do this. What was their part? Nothing. Just believe it, receive it, and respond to it. What's your part in salvation? Nothing. All you need to do is believe it, receive it, and walk in it. Thank you, Lord. God, we're waiting on us to do something for we certainly mess it up. (laughs) Isn't that true? That's very true. So God wants us to know him as the personal, promise-making, promise-keeping God who we can trust. God wants us to know that. And how many people, I mean, think about this. I was thinking about this today. How many people think that when they come to God, they're going to have to give up something? Many people think when they come to God that they're going to lose out on life. You know, listen, God says in our text, I have established my covenant. I've heard their groanings. I am the Lord. I will bring them out from under the burdens. I will rescue them. I will take them to myself to be a people. I will be their God. I will bring you into the land. I will give you an inheritance. In other words, God is saying this. Listen, if you follow me, he's saying this to the people of God, and he's saying it to you and me. If you follow me, you have nothing to lose and all to gain. Don't you know? That when you follow God, and you listen to me closely, don't ever forget this. When you follow God, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You see, Satan wants you to think you got all to lose. Man, you losing out on the world, man. They partying and they, they having a good time out there. No, they're not. 
They just think they are. You've got nothing to lose and all to gain. Parents, follow the Lord. He has great and precious promises for you. Youth, they say up north, youths, follow the Lord. Amen, youths? What, there's only two in here? What? I'm, I'm, I'm youth. Hey, amen. I amen myself. Amen. I'm a youth. I'm always going to be young at heart, man. Because my body don't say that, but uh, <laughs> listen, young folks, don't follow your friends. Don't follow people going down the wrong path. Follow the Lord. Amen. I don't care what they say. You know, the world is saying now, use condoms. That's what they're saying. What kind of message is that? That's no message. Look, look, God says abstain and wait. God doesn't say use condoms. That's against God's law. Listen, follow the Lord always. Young folks, old folks, any folks. Follow God. Youth people, here's a word for you. Contrary to popular opinion, your parents do no more than you. Parents say amen. Amen. I figure I get some clapping on that now. I'm saying, they're like, oh, now you preach it, Pastor. I've been trying to tell them. I know stuff. You know, you know, oh Lord, I don't have time for this tonight. You know, you're crazy if you don't listen to your parents, especially, I underscore, those parents who are in the Lord. You are out of your mind. You've jumped out of a tree. (laughs) Elevator not going to top floor. One fry short of a happy meal. You're crazy, man. Your parents who are in the Lord and you wouldn't listen to them. And they're praying and seeking God and reading the word and serving God and doing everything they can to love God. And you would not take advantage of that and listen to God. And do what God is leading your parents to do because you're in their home and they love you like nobody else will ever love you, you will never, ever, ever find a better love than the love of your mother and the love of your father. You never will. And granted, yes, there are, I got to say, and unfortunately, there's some bad parents. And that's just the truth. But you know what? God will be your parent. God was my parent. God was my father. I didn't grow up with a father. I did not grow up with a father. My mom, you know my story. I didn't go through all that. I didn't grow up with a father, but God was my father. God taught me everything I needed to know. God taught me how to be a father. God taught me how to love my children. God taught me how to love y'all. Taught me how to... I don't know if I said that right, but I don't even care. (laughs) God will be everything that you need. So you would be crazy not to listen to your parents who are in the Lord. Follow God. He has blessings for you and promises for you. And you're crazy if you don't follow your parents who are following the Lord. And even if they're not following the Lord, do everything you can 
short of sin to listen to your parents. They're telling you to do something wrong. That's another story. I can't, I didn't mean to get into all that. All right, look at verse 9. Enough of that stuff. Look at verse 9 if you're there. Say amen. amen. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But underline this. They did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of the land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Moses, how then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. God, don't you know that? And then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, and Aaron, and gave them a command. For the children of Israel and for the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And so Moses spoke all that God said, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Now notice, Spurgeon said this, and I think this was interesting, uh, uh, apropos. Spurgeon said, this is the saddest of sad that they did not heed the Lord, or they did not heed Moses. This is the saddest of sad. I think that's true. God said, Moses, tell Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. Moses says, God, Israel didn't listen to me. What makes you think Pharaoh's going to listen to me? Nobody listens. I can't even talk right. I can hear Moses just kind of wah, wah, wah. God's like, yada, yada, yada. Wah, wah, wah. God said, listen, go do what I told you. Now, Look at verse 14 through verse says 27. What we have here, see what y'all laughing for. What's so funny? I'm not going to tackle this. I know you really want me to. The genealogy stuff, I know you just love it. But I'm not going to tackle it tonight. But I will tell you this. You can read this in your own time if you need a sleep aid. And um, (laughs) verse 14, what we have is the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. And and, and what I'm going to do is, I think what I'm just going to do is, we're just going to take a high-level view because I really cannot get into this tonight. But but I want to take a kind of high-level view. I'll point out a few things in a few verses, and uh, then we'll see uh, how much we get done of uh, chapter 7 tonight. Okay, let's, so let's do that. Look at verse 14, if you will. It starts with, you want to notice this, and we're going to move a bit quick through this. It starts with the sons of Reuben in verse 14. And then in verse 15, we have the sons of Simeon. And then in verse 16, we have the sons of Levi. In verse 16, the sons of Levi, and so we have the sons of Levi, and some of their names in verse 16. You see that? Say amen. amen. You have Gershom, Kohath, Mirari. Notice Levi, it tells us in verse 16, lived to be 137 years old. If you're taking notes, Levi is the great granddaddy of Moses. Notice in verse 18, we have the sons of Kohath and they were Amram, look at verse 18, you see that? The sons of Koath were Amram, Isar, Hebron, Uziel. And the years of the life of Koath was 133 years. Koath is the granddaddy of Moses. 
Now, I want to tell you something that's just a little side note here. If you know someone, listen close, if you know someone whose last name, some Jewish someone whose last name is Cohen, Cohen, the name Cohen is the Jewish name that goes back to the Kohatites here in our text. And they were the priestly tribe that kept the tabernacle. That's how we know today that the Cohens link back to the priestly tribe, and it would be of the family, the Cohen family, that will end, if you fast forward to the book of Revelation, the Cohen family will begin, and even in the tabernacle and the temple, the one that's to be constructed, they will be the priestly tribe doing the priestly services in the tabernacle, the Cohens. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.